and welcome to the Howler Podcast. I'm Mary Newbell. And I'm Chelsea Lohman, and we are part of the People Experience team here at Arctic Wolf. We are so excited to bring you this podcast, which is an extension of the Howler newsletter. And the purpose of this podcast is to continue to create connection with each other and with our leaders. All right, we are so excited today to bring you our very first episode with our co-founder and executive chairman, Brian Smith. We couldn't not start this podcast and not have him be the first guest. All of our PAC members know that Brian is a great storyteller, really wise, fun to listen to. Um, in today's episode, he was true to form. We learned leadership lessons and how he defines success and some fun facts about him, like what he wanted to be when he grew up as a child. and um, something that made his day that totally made our hearts melt when we heard it and mm-hmm. we what his favorite concert was, which took both of us by surprise. Okay. So we hope you enjoy today's episode. We hope it helps you feel connected and inspired and proud to be part of this community that we call the PAC. So without further ado, let's tune in and hear today's episode with Brian. So we are going to jump right in with questions, Brian. Um, Mary and I kind of stole this first question from Brene Brown. We're both really big fans of her podcast. And she always asks her guests, what's been on your mind and what's been on your heart? So that is your very first question. What's been on your mind, Brian? It's a big opening, first of all. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for uh, participating and listening. For those that are listening later, obviously, um, and thank you for the very nice intro. Uh, so what's been on my mind, I, you know, I'll stick to work-related. Uh, well, I think we get into some of the more personal sides in, uh, in the later questions. But uh, I, you know, is for me, the, the handoff from myself to Nick Schneider, the CEO, has always been one that, you know, you worry about it. You wonder how that's going to play out. Uh, you know, the way I, I look at it is, you know, I won't say it's a child because I'm not going to put it at that level, but, you know, it's, it's, it's got flavors of that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of what I do, you know, is really wanting to support Nick and, and what he's doing. So I say most of my effort, mental effort goes into, you know, uh, helping him uh, answering questions he has, mostly validating him. He's a pretty smart guy. So he he's he knows the answer. He, he just sometimes I think wants somebody to go, yeah, 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 right. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'd say that's mostly on my mind work related. Um, okay. I, you know, I've you know, it'll, you know, for me, I think that heart has always probably been mostly family, um, you know, anytime, I, you know, you hear the whole phrase, you know, you're only as happy as your saddest child, I think, since I've added three grandchildren, you know, and now it's, it applies to the two kids and the three grandchildren. So uh, my heart is always with, with the kids and kind of wanting to help them and be involved in everything that's with that. So I, that hasn't changed. That's pretty much when I had my first child, I think it remains that way today. I expect to the day that I die, that'll remain true uh, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be real with us. How often are you and Nick texting each other, talking every day? Uh, I'd say it averages one and a half times a day. Uh, although okay. when there's things going on, it can be two, three, four or five times. And then sometimes <laughs> it might go a couple of times without, um, you know, it, I, I, especially I think when it comes to kind of big moments, uh, I'm, I'm a lot of times I'm just a sounding board. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting because Nick and I think we, we approach things fairly differently. I would say that I am 
mostly intuitive with a little bit of analysis behind it, where I'd say Nick is mostly analytical with a lot of intuition behind it. Uh, and it's funny because we, when we approach a problem or we think about a situation or what we want to do, we get at the same destination, but we don't often get there in the same manner. Mm. So, you know, his would have been, you know, on the freeway, right on time. Mine would have been off-roading, you know, hot dogging it with the, the doom buggy. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you need that balance, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's also reflective of, you know, obviously I was here at the start of things and being analytical is useful, but is not the most important thing. You, you take a lot of leaps of faith when you start a company about what's going to work and what's not. And so I think it, it goes to a little bit of the strengths. Uh, Nick is clearly more analytical than I am. He, he definitely subjects things to a higher degree of uh, analysis and thought and wants to really thoroughly understand things. I'm like, wow, what the heck? Just bet the company. Go for it. Brian, when you talk about um, just that transition being on your mind, it's been like, I think just over a year, right? Since you transitioned from CEO to executive chairman. Was it April of 2022? Uh, no, no. It's a year and a half now coming up on two. So it's it's been a while. Uh, okay. And it's worked. I, I had bad experiences in my prior career. This has worked as better than I could hope for. I, I was going to say as good as I could hope for, but it's been better than I can hope for. It's it's just, I, I really don't have a complaint. That's awesome. Um, okay, Brent, I've got the next question for you. So all of our PAC members, when they join the PAC, part of their onboarding journey is they get to hear the Arctic Wolf story from you and that beautiful kitchen. It's dinner with Kim, your co-founder and her husband making the beats and your wife's commentary that influenced our name and, and all the stories from the early days. So we thought it'd be fun to take it back a little bit further. Yep. And we'd love to know, what did you want to be growing up? And at any point in your younger years, did you envision yourself founding companies, being a CEO? Tell us, we want to hear the origin story of how Arctic Wolf came to be. Sure, sure. I wanted to be a lot of things. I mean, it depends how far back you want to go. I, I think when I was in high school, I wanted to be an NBA player uh, at 5'8". Wow. And, you know, not not the tallest guy in the world. It wasn't going to happen. So I, I think I adjusted my 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 expectations. Uh, when I first went into college, I was in Navy ROTC and I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Um, it turns out um, that I am colorblind to a few colors and some greens and browns, which doesn't do well for you wanting to be a fighter pilot. So I ultimately got out of that and decided not to go that path. Um, so early, you know, and I could probably point to a dozen other things where at one point or another, I was like, yeah, I'd like to do that. Yeah, I'd like to do that. But I'd say those were the big two is I, I would have loved to have been a college or, or pro athletes, specifically probably basketball. And then you know, after that, it was uh, flying planes. So it would have been uh, probably my biggest desire. I think, you know, as to whether I wanted to start a company, I don't think it was that clear when I was younger, even in college. I like building things. So I would say that, you know, part, I think starting a company is, is to me less about the start of the company. It's more that you're building something. And you, you do it with obviously skills and capabilities that you got through college or experience or things like that. So I'd say I'm, I was more interested in building something. I easily could have been not a CEO, but as, you know, a senior exec as part of a company. And as long as we were building something that I believed in and 
And I did early in my career. I, I didn't start a company right out of college. I worked for several places where uh, we were building something. And I, I really enjoyed that. And it called a continuation. Um, I, you know, uh, you know, my major in, in college was electrical engineering and I liked electrical engineering. So I went to jobs that included some of that capability and, and then just continued and said, hey, I like this one company I'm working for, a company called Newbridge, which we were building and 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 then went from there and just kind of continuation kept going. It's like, I like this. And, you know, that was really the the goal. But I, I don't think I had a vision of being a CEO or, a, um, or starting a company. It was more building something. Um, okay, that was a great answer. We're going to take a quick break to share a Windwire story from one of our sales pack members. Hi, everyone. My name is Danny Burke, and I'm a commercial account rep. The firm uh, had previously built out internal logging capabilities, but found it hard to operationalize the tool with his small team on staff. Luckily for the customer, Arctic Wolf was founded on providing security operations outcomes for our customers, so we knew we had a good fit right off the bat. The customer was talking with a few other security vendors, but kept revisiting his amazing experience with his concierge security team back in his previous company. The strategic guidance they provided and the work that they did to help progress the firm down a security journey was previously invaluable to him, and the customer kept envisioning how the CST would also work with his new team. This opportunity epitomizes uh, teamwork, both from an Arctic Wolf perspective and channel perspective. Uh, the opportunity was successful due to the great partnership that we have with SHI and the many departments that work together here at Arctic Wolf, from the concierge security team, customer success, sales engineering, and sales leadership. Earlier in the conversation, you had mentioned so much of finding, founding a company is taking leaps of faith. What has given you the courage to take leaps of faith when you're not guaranteed the outcome? Like what has propelled you forward to make those leaps? Yeah, I think that just not afraid of failure, I guess. Like I, 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 I'm not going to remember the aphorism or any of the quotes, but you know, failure is just really an opportunity to learn. Uh, and so I think that it's probably just not afraid of failure um, more than anything else. I didn't really worry about that that much. Maybe that was a bit insane, which is, it goes, I think anybody that starts a company, you're slightly insane. Don't let anybody kid you. You're, you're, you're a little bit off the chart in one way or another. So uh, I think that for me, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it, um, wasn't afraid of failing at it. So, you know, it's like, why not? Like go back to that intuitive sense, you know, whatever. You know, it's just, it's just mm -hmm. a company. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's amazing. I'm curious when you reflect on this, like you following your interests and passions and the things you care about and building it now impacts thousands of people's lives every day for the better. Um, have you reflected on that? And how does, how does that make you feel? I, I do. Obviously, you know, um, a lot of gratitude. There's, there's, when you start a company, yeah, you have to work hard. Yeah, you got to be smart. Yeah, you, but, but you also got to be lucky. Like, don't. <laughs> so there's, there's an element of luck in this equation that, that no one can take out. So, you know, I, I would say it's mostly just, just gratitude. Um, 
and thankful for all the other people that were a part of that. It's not just me by any stretch. You know, there, there are so many points in the history of the company I could point to other individuals that were, that they were critical. It would not have succeeded without them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and so I'd say it's that gratitude more than anything else. I know we were just talking a lot about failure um, and you hear a lot, fail fast, fail forward. Curious, do you have a favorite failure? of yours? That's a long list. So we'll try to <laughs> stick to the um, So prior to um, starting my first company, I tried to start a company and it failed. So it was, uh, and it failed for reasons that have come back to haunt me, which is I just didn't, I, I, I just wasn't willing to go the distance uh, in, in doing it. So I kind of backed out at some point along the process. So that's, you know, the failure that probably bothered me. I would say most of my failures are more about opportunity, opportunities missed, where there was an opportunity that I had in front of me. And for whatever reason, I got talked out of it, or I convinced myself otherwise, or I wasn't brave enough, or wasn't smart enough, or I don't know what it just, the list can go on. Um, Mm. And that's happened to me more than more than a dozen times. And I think, I think it's good advice for, for people in general, too, is that, you know, if you're if you're working hard and you're in a space that you like, there are opportunities there. And a lot of times I think people just don't don't recognize them till too late. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of opportunities for promotion, opportunities to perform, opportunities to demonstrate skills, opportunities to whatever you you name it there. You know, you can't guarantee the opportunities, but I think a lot of times people don't recognize them when they land in their lap or they recognize them way too late for you to really fully exploit them. Right. Right. So what I'm hearing with the first company failure was you just weren't prepared to be insane enough yet. You hadn't really <laughs> leaned into the insanity of starting a company. To that, quote that, that, that's before. correct. I had two kids at home, two young daughters, so both of the age of four. So uh, I'd like to use that as an excuse, but I, I, I think I just wasn't quite ready more than anything else. So that's, that's yeah. the one I'm looking at. Um, and somewhat regret. Uh, I learned a lot. So I think in any failure, that's the biggest thing. If you can you can point to something that you learned as a result, uh, then that that failure, I won't say it was worth it, but you got value out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just think too of like the butterfly effect. Had you been quote unquote insane enough and followed that, would we be here today? I'm personally grateful that it didn't work out. <laughs> that article <laughs> is what it is today. Same, same. <laughs> And Mary, before you go to the next question, I'm not going to let us skirt over Brian's MBA dreams. I'm really curious. Um, did you play growing up? And who's your team now? Or who do you root for? Oh, I, I living in the Bay Area for a long time, I was, mm. you know, I'm, I'm kind of a late to arrival Warriors fan. My my in-laws are huge okay. Warriors fans. They grew up rooting for the Warriors when they weren't good. Uh, easy to root for them now. Now that I live here in Austin and this new young player coming in from France, uh, mm-hmm. San Antonio, I might, I might have to become a little bit of a Spurs fan. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so my, I mean, so you know my loyalty doesn't run deep, you know? Yes, yes. And I believe I saw you joined um, here in the Eden Prairie office one morning. You surprised our morning basketball team and dropped in. So I did. I play a little bit? I, oh, I, I try to as much as I can, you know, as I get older, it gets harder and harder, but, um, you know, I, 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 it's my favorite sport to play by far. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just, 
when you're on the court, it's the one time I think that when I'm on the court, I'm not thinking about anything else. So it's, it's, mm. you get a physical, you get the physical exercise, but you get the mental break. So you commit yourself to where a lot of times like jogging or weightlifting, which I do those things, your mind's still engaged in work and other things. So you're not getting as much of the mental break. It's still obviously good for you. That's but I love. It's why to me, basketball um, or soccer in some cases, I still play soccer occasionally. Okay. Great. Well, switching gears here, we know that your purpose didn't lie in basketball stardom, but curious if you know your purpose and what is it and when did you find it, if you will? I don't think I ever really would say that I had a purpose. I I, I would have said I knew what I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed technology. I enjoyed the engineering work. Um, I like building things. So I, I guess if you could say without ever reaching that conclusion in an obvious way, that was probably my purpose is I was going to build things. Uh, maybe it would have been a product. You know, in, in one of my lives, I could have been just an electrical engineer and doing design work and building things. Um, uh, it turned out for reasons that end up going this direction. So I would say that's when did I discover that? Probably in college sometime, you know, that that's what I like doing. Um, I was fortunate. I, when I went to college, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do and uh, could have majored in a bunch of different things, but I, I really enjoyed electrical engineering and computer science things. So um, that was, that, that really in the end was very clear to me. That's something that I, that I wanted to do. You know, I love that because I know like for at least me personally, sometimes it's so easy to think like we have to figure out the big things and the purpose. And what we keep hearing in this conversation with you is you just have doing what you were good at, what you enjoyed, what was in front of you, not being afraid of failure. And it, it's led to incredible impact and success. So I think that's just a great reminder of at your core, what do you enjoy? What are you good at? What is there a need that you can fulfill in front of you? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm hearing you have enjoyed building things and building things doesn't always necessarily equate to leading things or people, um, but you found yourself in leadership positions throughout your career. So curious, kind of what's the best leadership advice you've ever been given or that you would want to give um, to someone? So I, I, I'll do two things because it depends a bit on the context. Um, so I, um, I, I'll draw an analogy here. Uh, you know, you if you're learning to fly a plane or, or do something like that, there's this advice they give you when they're training you, which is never stop flying the plane. I know that sounds silly uh, in some ways, um, uh, so say you're on an aircraft, you're flying by yourself, and then a fire breaks out. Well, your natural inclination is to grab the fire extinguisher and put the fire out, and you forget to fly yeah. the plane. <laughs> and yeah. so, so you have to realize that you have to keep flying the plane. I, I think the parallel in work is don't forget to do your job. So mm -hmm. a lot of times when you work at a company, it's, it's easy to get involved in a million different things. And we have, there's a lot here, and there's, those are wonderful things for people to get involved in. So whether it's any one of the, you know, the PAC committees or the working efforts. And, and those are good things, but don't lose sight that you you were hired more for a reason. So you should do your job. 
Um, mm -hmm. I do that and it's silly because sometimes people will say, well, you know, but I contributed to this and that. Yeah, but I hired you to be a sales rep, which means that you need to book revenue. <laughs> and, you know, and if you don't, that's not going to come out well for you. Um, mm -hmm. Or you're in the wrong job. If you really don't care about the other stuff, you may, maybe you should think about doing something differently. So I, I do that, especially for people that are really, really early in their career. It's, don't forget that. I think there's when you kind of get past that, when you're doing that and you're, you figure out how to do that, I would say that the next thing to do is try to put yourself, so not losing, you know, you don't want to forget to do your job. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in the shoes of your, your boss. She may have things that you don't understand, but if you can make her life easier, mm -hmm. it's better. So, and from a promotion, career advancement and everything else, it, it's, it just has so many benefits because it makes you think beyond yourself. Um, and, but not like to the entire company because you, you won't, you not get to get recognized by that. So, you know, you're a salesperson and you figure out how to be a better security engineer. Well, the likelihood that's going to serve you well and getting promoted in the sales curve it's, it's just not likely. Maybe it will, but it's not likely. Where if you're a salesperson and you figure out how to make your sales manager better or easier or make their job work, it's just, it, it kind of, it expands the scope for you to a certain point. And, and I think those two things carry you all the way up other than being the CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, now you get to be the CEO or you get to be your own boss. So you smart start a small company. Um, I, this is, this happened to me. So I, in a company, um, that was, it wasn't going well at the time. And we had a board meeting and we had option A, B, and C. So the leadership team presented to the board, here's option A, B, and C. It was clear that the leadership team of the company wanted A, the board wanted B, C's off the table. Mm -hmm. A lot of discussion, argument maybe, uh, going round and round. And uh, we finally, I said, well, we got to just take a break. You know, we've been at this for too long. We're just starting to repeat the arguments. And so one of the board members um, the guy that I think very highly of walks out of the meeting. He goes, you know, interesting meeting, kind of a crucial point. Uh, just want to be clear, if you choose option A, which you and the leadership team want, and it doesn't work out, you're going to get fired. And I was mm -hmm. kind of taken aback, you know, <laughs> oh, whoa, that's kind of really very direct. Uh, <laughs> and then he pauses and I kind of absorb that after a few seconds. And he looks at me and goes, but if you choose option B and it doesn't work out, you're going to get fired anyway. And there was a point being is that the responsibility for the CEO, ultimately that's, they own it and try not to let yourself get talked into things you don't believe in. If you end up failing as somebody in charge, fail on what you do. Not mm -hmm. saying you ignore people, not saying you don't listen to their input, but if in your heart of hearts, and most of my failures that to talk about our earlier question have been things where I, for whatever reason, let myself get talked into something or talked out of something that I just didn't really fully believe. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I, you know, give you those things, which is don't forget to do your job. Try to put yourself in the shoes of, of your boss and, you know, what she or he, uh, you know, are living with and can you make their life easier? And then mm -hmm. if you ultimately get that biggest leadership position, don't be afraid to go to the wall to do what you really think is the right thing and be willing to get fired. Mm-hmm. There is something about that gut check that's hard to explain, but you just, you sometimes you just know. Yeah. And I love your analogy about flying the plane, because to your point, if there was a fire on a plane, I would be in a full on panic attack, freaking out, forgetting to fly the plane. I don't know about you, um, but I'm curious if you could expand a little bit. So 
to your point, flying the plane is remembering to do your job. Um, but how have you been able to remember to do your job when maybe your kids are sick or your AC just went out or you have a family member emergency? Like, how do you balance um, all of the things that you're dealing with as a whole human while remembering to fly the plane? Yeah, it, it, this is, you know, maybe another bit of career advice, which is you're just not going to be capable of doing everything that you ever thought you were going to do in your life. Uh, and so I prioritize two things. I prioritize uh, work and family. That was it. You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of other things I aspired to do and wanted to be good at, but, and I would try to do them a little bit, but they were always sacrificed at the expense of those two things. I have run into so many people that I started my career with where you need to define your own measure of what success is. And it is always career. I had a good friend of mine, just as smart as me. Um, but he had all these other interests where I was work, you know, I'd work at family. He had, well, I have this. And then he, you know, was interested in this hobby and then he was really expanding on that hobby, but that just takes mental energy. And so I, I would say that uh, the first thing you got to do is understand you're only really probably going to in life get to do one or two maybe three, but I'd argue three is even too much. So so if you have a big, massive hobby and it's a priority for you, something else is going to give. You're not going to go in your career as fast as you would expect because uh, you're not going to put the same degree of energy into it. And so a lot of it is how you do that is by upfront, recognizing what you're being willing to give up. And I have, it's all the time, you know, it's like, yep, I definitely wanted to get better at that. I wanted to be better at playing golf. You know, I you know, wanted to perfect my three-point shot, but you know what? I never had the time for that, so it just didn't happen. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, just brutally prioritize uh, okay. early on, and and don't take the measure of what you view success by what's happening in your career, because sometimes you can have a very good, uh, more than rewarding life where your career is not necessarily the most important thing. Maybe the, you know it's two other things, and your career moves along, but it's don't expect and don't get sad. If you don't end up the CEO, because you you prioritize this other thing that was important to you, um, mm -hmm. and so I, I think is understand your own measure of success and 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 really brutally prioritize to to achieve that success, and be willing to sacrifice everything else. Yeah, I love that, and it's such real advice because to your point, I mean we we can't all do everything, and we just have to be very real with ourselves around what's important to us, what our purpose is. Going back a little bit to our previous question and then yeah prioritizing from there yeah thank you for that yep. I love it too I think as, as a dreamer myself when you first were like you're just not going to accomplish all the things you want to in your life I was like wow <laughs> took a negative turn Brian thank you on that inspirational <laughs> note but I think you're so true I love that piece I feel like I've been kind of working through that myself too of like how do I define success and not measured by what others think or what others would define as success. Because at the end of the day, like life is short too. So are we enjoying the journey? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say, Brian, something that you have shared that I've heard you say that I just love with regards to, to leadership advice is I remember you once saying that you think leadership is about giving oxygen or you see your role here as giving oxygen to good ideas and that has stuck with me. I just love that little phrase. I think it's a beautiful way to think about as leaders, how are we seeing the good around us and making sure there's oxygen for that um, to really come to life. So thank you. 
Um, okay. Oh, I feel like we were kind of already on this topic. We wanted to talk about well-being. It's a focus here within the pack of how do we, um, how does our well-being fuel our success and not be sacrificed to achieve it? And you're talking about prioritization and knowing your values, defining success. Um, but how else do you prioritize well-being, whether that's mental, physical, um, not only for yourself, but for the people that you lead and shepherd? Uh I, you know, that first of all, that prioritization, I think I just, I'll echo that a million times because most times I feel when people are burned out or something and you probe a bit into their life, it's like, it's like, well, I got work and I got family and, and then I got these two hobbies and then I'm, you know, working with my uncle on rebuilding a car and da, 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 and it's like, oh my goodness, this is no wonder you don't have the cycles to do it. I, I'm a big believer in vacations. I think that, um, you know, extended periods of time off are, are well worth it. And you get back, you, you may not realize it, but you'll get that back. And so if I see somebody that I feel is getting toasty or fried or clearly not reacting, well, it's like, hey, you need a vacation. Like, and, and if they're like, I can't take a vacation because I don't have anybody to run it. And I'm like, okay, now we got a slightly different problem because you haven't built a management team that where if you got hit by a bus, the thing, everything would still function. So, you know, uh, I, I'd say prioritizing well-being is, is you know building the right team, thinking about things, and also realizing yourself when you're reaching your limits, because uh, it happens. Uh, and you know sometimes I'll just you know back looking back in history, there have been moments you know days at work where I'm like oh, and I'm just like I just turn off my computer and shut off my phone, and I'm like I'm done. Like I'm just I'm gonna go play basketball because that's the only <laughs> way I can refresh myself. <laughs> work on that three pointer. That's I, that's at that moment, but it's more a matter of a mental break than it is anything else, and. I think everybody has that. It's just realizing what that is for you. And then when you need it to make sure you take the time to take advantage of it. Okay. Love that. We are going to take a quick break to hear a security win from one of our security services pack members. Hi, I'm Luke Young, a concierge security engineer here in San Antonio. A few weeks ago, we had a customer who was alerted by our CSOC that they observed some malicious activity in their environment. The SOC was seeing a lot of encoded PowerShell commands originating from a single device, along with multiple attempts to reach out to a C2 IP. It turns out that a user in the customer's environment uh, was able to download an executable from a public file share website. The customer's EDR says that it flagged and quarantined the executable. However, uh, the user was actually able to successfully execute the, the file on the user's device. This is what was causing the PowerShell and C2 callouts that our SOC observed. Immediately after seeing this activity, a, the SOC created a ticket. Uh, the device was successfully contained and a customer callout was initiated and the customer was appraised of the situation. Turns out that the download was found to be a well-known post-exploit post toolkit that can be used to establish communication with a C2 server for remote code execution. The customer was unsure of what to do in this situation, and they asked our SOC uh, if they could assist with any remediation steps, which included reimaging the device. The SOC was able to confirm that no other machines were infected with any indicators of compromise in the customer's environment. This win is pretty cool because even though the customer had EDR on the device, they very likely would not have known of the compromise until it was too late, as the EDR gave the all clear stating that the malware was detected and if that it was quarantined. 
as we see, this was not the case, and we were able to provide that crucial bit of defense for the customer, providing a potential catastrophic incident. We've been talking a lot about prioritization um, and well-being and how you have to prioritize certain things. And so I'm just curious now um, where you are in your life, what are your two to three priorities? What does success look like for you right now? Um, and kind of what what's next for you? I'm, you know, I'm probably less of a person about traveling for travel's sake. I just like learning new things. Kind of goes back to building things. So I am starting flight lessons. I've always wanted to. And so I'm uh, about 10 hours into that. Um, Trying to get better at golf. I want to learn a foreign language, Spanish specifically. So um, there's a lot of reasons it didn't play out. But playing the guitar, those are all the kind of, if I were to say, you know, bucket list items, it's probably less about location, more about skills that I'd like to develop. Um, And, you know, what does success look like for me? I would say it's measured by, you know, uh, obviously helping Nick, but I think family related. So I spend time with the grandkids as they get older. I'm looking forward to, you know, doing school like things with them, engineering like things and building stuff, you know, and maybe one of them hopefully will develop a passion for that. You can't dictate that. So they they may decide they want to be English majors, which, you know, will create a little twinge for me, but, you know, I'm going to clearly support it. <laughs> so, uh but, uh, you know, I, I I think for me, the success will, like, help my grandchildren discover their passion and mm-hmm. what that is, our passions, because they're usually plural, and then try to reinforce and help it as much as I can. That would be success. Mm-hmm. Well, I am loving this new chapter, these hobbies for you. I know Mary also um, is interested in learning Spanish. So I'm envisioning in a year, maybe we have you back on the podcast, a full Spanish podcast maybe you play the guitar for us a little bit uh, good luck with that I, I don't see that happening we have to set goals right we ought to be working towards something that's true <laughs> well this has been such a fun conversation we've got a couple questions to close um we're gonna do some rapid fire ones for you but before we do last official question for you what is something that most people don't know about do you have any fun facts for us? Um, I don't know if it's so much fun as I'm an introvert. <laughs> That's hard to believe, you know, it's this, I mean, you hear people described as an extroverted introvert, but if I go to a company event and I'm really having to be on for three or four hours, mm. I am dead by the time I go home. I have to like recharge my batteries. So mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the thing that most people don't know because it doesn't come across because I can force myself to get in front of an audience and speak and engage and and do a bunch of stuff. I don't know what else. Um, what do they not know about me? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty much an open book, so I think most of most of the things are are, are very clear. Um, I've never been able to dunk a basketball. Sad to say. I've, when I was when I was in my early 20s, I was so close, but I never did. So I, I have a feeling that I'm never going to achieve that. <laughs> so I can I can barely touch the net now. That's how bad it's getting. <laughs> I will say one thing that I didn't know about you when Mary and I were doing a little bit of research was um, your relationship with soccer and um, that you we had been involved with. Page. Yeah. 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 We looked up, we looked you up on Wikipedia, that <laughs> uh, you have been involved in the ownership of a team. Yep. That's also fun. 
It was a colossal mistake, but yep. <laughs> it was one of the failures? Lost it. Yes, it was definitely a failure. I didn't even think of that one because it's like <laughs> we lost a lot of money doing that. <laughs> oh. It was enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot mm -hmm. of fun uh, mm -hmm. doing it, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an experience. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we we blacked that one out of our. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's gone. Okay. Well, we'll get to the fun rapid fire. All right. All right. Then. So these ones, not that I need to explain, but just first thing that comes to your head, really quickly. Okay. Um, okay. Ready? Yep. Best concert of your life. Katy Perry. Ooh, favorite word. Epiphany. A place on your bucket list. Not a place like I said I'm more of a learning thing and learning to fly would be it okay um what's something that people often get wrong about you they think I'm Canadian I am not <laughs> <laughs> not that I have anything against Canadians I love Canadians nothing uh, against uh, Canada uh, nothing against <laughs> but Canada, we are but not I, Canadian no I'm not my daughter is my oldest was born in Canada so I have oh, some okay there. yeah okay um, and then give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that has brought you joy. I think my, my youngest grandson, um, who is like a bull in a china shop, you know, when just randomly I'm sitting there and he comes up and he goes, pop up, I love you. Like just out of the blue. And it's just like little heart just melts. You know, so, mm -hmm. so, that's like the purest thing in the world. Yes, thank goodness. So sweet. All right, those were it. Oh. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. <laughs> yes, but let's go back to Katy Perry. When did you see her? Was I saw her at the Oakland Coliseum. My, okay. my son-in-law, um, who married my oldest daughter, my son-in-law, uh, got tickets for us. It. I just thought it was an amazing show. I wasn't even that much of a fan beforehand. Now I listen to all of her songs. You know, okay. You know, I'm definitely car karaoke Katy Perry songs. So. <laughs> okay, love, love that. Ooh, maybe a new segment idea for Arctic Wolf car car carpool karaoke. There you go. The there you go. <laughs> love it, Brian. You'll be our first guest for that as well. Okay. Yes. Thank, <laughs> thanks, Mary. Thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> Somehow the microphone won't work. <laughs> Okay, well, Brian, this was so much fun. I learned so many things about you, and I think you just shared so many nuggets of wisdom and inspiration and encouragement. And thanks so much for taking time out of your day to be our first Howler podcast guest. Thank you, and good luck with this. <laughs> thanks. thanks. All right, and that's a wrap on our very first episode of the Howler podcast. Great job, Mary. Good shout out, Chelsea. That was so fun. <laughs> so fun. All right. Thanks for listening. Make sure to join the Howler Slack channel. And we want to hear from you. So join the channel and throw in there what was your favorite part of the podcast or what was something you learned from Brian. And we are going to pick a few lucky winners to send some Arctic Wolf swag to. So make sure you jump into the Slack channel. Yes, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you feel connected to the pack. We're stronger together. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.